Hey everybody, it's Carnival of Randomness Zoom with our Zoom er something or other. <laughs> and this is it for the year. It's the holidays. We're busy. It's been great fun. We're, we'll be coming back next year with lots of fun shows. Oh yeah. If uh some people overseas, so we're gonna have to really work on the time change, which is gonna be good. <laughs> but we have uh Patrick, of course, and somebody sending me weird messages, which I'm not gonna look at. But we have uh, a very special guest today. But we're gonna do, we're gonna turn it over to our other great regular Chaz to introduce her. So I give you Chaz Lockwood to introduce our very special guest. Take it away, Chaz. Yeah, Pat and Rob, thanks for taking my suggestion um, because this friend of mine has a connection with the uh, Rochester scene and could uh, spin a couple tales and uh, is also um, doing very well. Uh, I think he's got like 1,200 followers on Facebook and is gigging and recording with um, esteemed producers and uh it, this is uh my friend jenna mcgrath hey jenna uh, hey uh so uh thanks for thanks pat and uh yeah i knew jenna from way back in the 80s when we were both kids and um in our in our respective bands i never got to see jenna play out she didn't really get into a band i don't think until she moved to new york city but um uh, it's just gotten more and more interesting uh, by the day, right? Right, Jenna. It has. <laughs> well, what did you get into a band actually, and how did you sort of come on the scene, like in Rochester? Well, I was in an industrial band called X Death, but um, we didn't actually ever play. It just kind of fell apart due to lack of organization. Um, but. Uh, I started in classical music as a kid, so that's really the first music I was doing for a long time. And then I just, I just got tired of being told what to play and started playing Ramon songs on the bass, which I had no formal training in. Um, but then, like with the whole like X Death project, Chaz X Death was uh, I don't know if you remember Charlie Russell. I never knew him personally, but I knew him uh, one person removed. Um, he was a cool guy. He did um, like kind of like dark. Uh, it wasn't really. Well, I guess it was. It was indie. It wasn't punk. Uh, I don't know. To me, it, to me, it seems industrial because he was like, "Let's take some guitar pickups and put them inside of some paint cans and play on those and see what happens." At least that was what we we're going to try to do with X Death, you know. I guess I would have been playing the, the paint can, but um, it, it just kind of, you know, never really uh, took root or maybe I left Rochester. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Like industrial, I'm like, like for me, Sisters of Mercy, I guess, would be maybe industrial for in terms of what I like. I think. Yeah, this was would have been like way more weird and experimental. He was just like a a really odd experimental type of guy who had done various live performances, but you know, um it was pretty out there as I recall. <laughs> there were some guys that got booed off the stage when I saw Peter Gabriel in the 80s. This is for his uh Peter Gabriel 3 or whatever you called the game without frontiers album because he had this opening band they came out, they just had trash cans. They hit them with chains. <laughs> hey, uh, Jenna, why did you bring up Charlie Russell again? I, I, I lost track. Well, because you were saying I wasn't in a band in Rochester, which is, is true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But that's I think, a, I, met, but... I, uh, I, I think I met you, um, I think I met you at, like, Backstreets. I think I remember, actually. Uh, Colorblind James was playing or some one of the local bands and you were hanging around. Well, I used to go there a lot because they would let in, you know, young teenagers and serve them alcohol. So there was that. <laughs> Plus, I mean, back in the day, back in the day, I use that term, unfortunately, now is like I got in the scourges underage all the time. Nobody cared. I, I, I had some connections. Yeah, but nobody really cared in those days where you could get in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much got into Scorgies, although there were times when I was, like, turned away, probably just for, like, looking too young early on. But then at one point, 
Oh, right. We all got fake IDs at one point and then I got in everywhere. So that's what happened. That was I like don't know. the fun I one. Was, being kind of tough. The, well, yeah, the fun one was like the one time at one bar in East Rochester in those days. Adams. I remember somebody in front of me, the, the door guy looks and goes, this is a really bad fake ID. Get a better one next time. Let's her in. <laughs> yeah, well, um, someone who is now a medical doctor and my friend's <laughs> brother went to the U of R and the uh, guy who wasn't, who was the medical doctor now um, had one of the really early Mac computers and um, he just kind of like stole a bunch of ID blinks from the University of Rochester and then faked their like background paper with the university crest um, on it and made pretty realistic looking Rochester IDs that said we were all 25 and you know, um, it, it all seemed like good fun and nobody, I think, ever got in trouble for it. Although now, you know, you'd be in federal prison on some sort of anti-terrorism act for that type <laughs> of behavior. So, um, yeah, after that, it was no problem getting into scorgies. I, it, all, it all comes back to me now. Yes, to me. Those are fun times. <laughs> Come on, Chiz. Yeah, good times. I remember uh, what, I, what my brain cells let me remember. Backstreet. <laughs> Um, Backstreets would serve you beer in. Um, I don't know if I'm still on. If you guys can hear me, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you get beer in uh, like uh, containers the size of popcorn buckets. Yeah, but I went to see uh, Dred Zeppelin there, and this was a uh, toward Elvis. It was a they did regular Zeppelin with an Elvis impersonator. And there was some guy there, they had the free pizza who was just biting off a piece of each one of them and putting them back. <laughs> Which I always remember. But the guy looked just terrifying like Elvis. Now. Just yeah, and I'm terrifying. thinking about that going, no way, no way. I would have that got me forever for life not eating bar food when they would deliver it. Cause I always remember that. They're like scarred for life. Oh, it helps your immune system. Come on. Right. <laughs> That's why I avoided COVID so far because of that pizza, because of bar food. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Chaz always had good Rochester bands. He was in some really fun projects. Lotus STP was always a highlight of the scene. So um he always had bands when I was a kid, but uh we didn't actually end up playing together until after I moved to New York. And I think he came and <clears throat> Played with my first band, which was definitely not the best band, <laughs> but um, it was fun to do that show. Or I, I don't know. I can't remember which of my bands you played with when you, we played at the Pyramid yeah, Club together. Coming to, coming to New York, and um, it was it was Buzz Buzz Town. I mean, you could feel the energy. It's not a myth that New York has that kind of energy, especially when you're uh, that age. And then. Um, I know uh, we're both friends with um, a couple other people down there. I think you know Blair Buscarino and and yeah, and uh, some of the other transplants down there. Yeah, I know Blair. And uh, so you got in with the um, the punk scene there, um, the freaky punk scene, right? And um, well, I mean, it was all kind of connected, like. I kind of was when I first moved there I was hanging out more in the garage scene because that was just what I was interested in in that at that point in time like I already understood punk rock but I didn't understand like how that emerged from 60s punk rock like the Sonics you know so I think I was trying to figure all that out and just seeing a lot of really good garage bands that were happened to be around at the time and it was a small you know circle like there were little different scenes but everybody knew each other so what was some of the what were some of the clubs at the time you went to for garage bands in new york city well they were it, it was really a very underground scene like there was the dive and there was this place called the strip and they were both pretty sleazy <laughs> <laughs> Like if you if you think Backstreets is crazy, the strip was like way worse than that. Just this really decrepit old Irish bar on 14th Street with really the worst bath, like worse than the bathrooms in Train Spotting type of bathrooms. Oh. <laughs> so um, 
yeah that place was really fun though although it was just completely <laughs> decrepit um and uh there were these shows called the mind's eye that kind of traveled to various locations and they had one of those like 60s oil psychedelic projectors they would do that was pretty cool we just had that um, last week my friend overhand sam played a gig and they had one of those like old plasma projectors behind it i swear it looked like i was at a like a sid barrett era pink floyd show yeah i mean those things have aged well like they're still really cool looking <laughs> I, mean, I have like a group of friends now they're like about they're like millennials like around 34 issue they really like you would think with their music and the psychedelia if you just showed somebody it didn't say when they were from you would think they were from that era and they're really good yeah. students of that music too so. yeah i've got a um jenna i've got in my box of 45s a picture sleeve of your band the black orchids yeah i think that's who you played with yeah <clears throat> that's the only real recording we ever did because the band was just <laughs> so full of drama um <laughs> oh is fleetwood mac take two <laughs> not like that kind of drama <laughs> sadly not that interesting or fun it was like two two people in the band neither of whom were me were a couple so there was that and then she was like her mentality was, oh, God, I'm dishing the dirt. I can't do this. She just wanted, she told me she wanted to be famous by the time she was 19. And I was like, oh, please. <laughs> and so I was just kind of like, well, okay. Um, and it, I don't know. Our songs were probably not the best songs in the world, but we had a good time. And I, you know, I played at CBGB's for the first time with them, which that's actually a really funny story because it took me a really long time to figure this out because um, we went in there to play at CBGB's for the first time. And my guitarist, Francis, was like, CBGB's is cool, but it's a really weird place. And the sound man has to like you. And he's kind of a weird guy. But just be nice to him because like, they won't let you play here unless the sound man likes you. And so we went on stage. We were doing our thing. And the, the sound man was indeed a really weird guy. And he started just shouting at the band and going, you better not fuck around in here because I can make you look great or I can melt you with these lights over here. And I was just <laughs> like, wow. And so it took me like, I don't know, 30 years to realize that was actually Hilly Crystal. And <laughs> you know, he wanted to tell me it was Hilly because they didn't want me to like be nervous or whatever. Two, two, <laughs> questions, two questions. Have you seen the CBGB movie with Alan Rickman yeah. as Hilly? How would you say now compared to meeting him, how did that stand up if you remember a little? Well, I mean, it's not the worst movie in the world, but it, it I and pretty much everyone else who was around at the time doesn't think it's at all realistic. Like, I mean, there was a lot of um, like sort of infighting among the first generation punk rockers when it came out. Cause a lot, everyone just hated it. And then like people that had been paid to like be portrayed in the movie were maybe obligated to promote it, but it was controversial i'll put it that way probably too many people are still alive yeah and they had a weird way they filmed it where they almost did like comic book scenes with it every now and then which is sort of weird yeah you know but i have no principles i could hate something give me a million dollars i'll love it like, <laughs> yeah i th i think that whenever you're whenever you're doing any kind of like biopic or something it's always going to be from someone's point of view at the very least like the the ian curtis movie you know, was very much from his wife's point of view. It was from basically from her book. So hey, it kind of paints him, hey, not not that it was untrue. It kind of paints him as kind of a prick. Or your cheating heart, which was yeah. from his, they ignored that yeah. Hank had, they had a first wife. Yeah. right. There. But I have to ask a huge question. I've asked one other person this question. Did you ever have Haley's chili? I was going to say it's about the chili. No, I would not have eaten anything at CBGB. <laughs> yeah, no, how I, hungry I was. It was, you know, it had also really awful bathrooms and, um, yes, they're legendary. You know, nobody was really eating at that time of night anyway. In fact, I don't, I don't really remember ever like cooking or eating much at all at home or except going to brunch and stuff. Cause, uh, yeah, 
I think I was just fueled by, you know, vodka and lack of sleep, probably. <laughs> it has potatoes in it that's eating. It's like, I counted. Yeah. I count. But the yeah, thing, I you're mean, the I... second person now, Amy. I asked Amy Rigby about this. And uh, her and Reckless Eric come to town all the time. And I asked her about this. And she said the same response you did. If you would have saw it, there's no way you would have eaten it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did go on to play at CBGB's many times after that with a much, much better band. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was a, a really fun club, but it was always just crazy in there, you know, yeah. uh, especially when we were playing, it got really crowded and so much of performing in New York revolves around like, how the hell do I get my equipment to the club? Because I live in Manhattan and no one has a car and you can't really take <laughs> that stuff on the subway. You got to like hire a guy with a van. So you know, it's it's uh, kind of like a running the gauntlet through the show. It stops being so social, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, and I think there's moments in time, as I called them. I've been using that term a lot, like where we're part of something like, for me, when the bug jar came to be and you were down there. And I think they're like little snapshots or scourges that they're only going to be around for a while the way they are. And we get tons of stories from them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I just think it was kind of a legendary time. And maybe that's just me, you know, being an old person, but I, I don't think I'm alone. Like kids that are in their 20s think the same thing about the, you know, well, the 90s and the late 80s. So it was just, it was really a very artistically fertile time that, um, factors have changed and things aren't like that today yeah who would um, think nowadays so. you go to target they're selling ramon shirts and you hear ramon songs at wegman's <laughs> yeah it's wild isn't it it's like we really never would have thought that would be happening no Everything like well i got changed, nothing but so. hatred for liking gun club and all these bands in high school going to a suburban catholic high school if you didn't like like journey or all those fun bands you were like the weirdo, but now it's all those people. Oh, this is, I have my remote shirt. I've never seen them. I saw the gun club at Backstreets. Oh, wow. I love, they're one of my top five favorite. Yeah, I talked there. to them because my friend had this fanzine called Butcher Magazine and we were You're making it. We were teenagers. Oh, Jeffrey Lee and everybody. Yeah, I love them. And, uh, and I just like walked up to them and was like, can I interview you for my fanzine? They were really nice. Oh, I always heard my brother <laughs> met, my brother met Jeffrey Lee and said he was like quiet. All he was like concerned about his weight. He was like all of us. Only one I ever saw was Kid Congo and was at the Monkey Birds Chairs. Oh they, yeah, yeah. They, they played at the Bug Jar, like literally under 30 people there. Yeah. yeah he's, well, he's still around. He's like ultra <laughs> hipster. Ultra hip guy, he he has great soul a uh, soul record collection. I saw him spinning a uh, old soul uh, records at a soul dance I went to before I I dropped completely dropped out a couple years ago. Oh, that's cool. Now, what are, what what was the name of your band now after uh, that you said was a better band? Oh well, I mean there was kind of a progression. Like I um from that first band, I got invited to be in this other band that was it was just supposed to be this one off thing where we were going to play for this party, but people really liked it. And then people in the band knew some guys who were like, oh, had, you know, been in the New York Dolls and um, Walter Lure from, who was in the Heartbreakers with Johnny Thunders. And uh, we started having them sing songs with us and it, it turned into kind of this underground big deal. That This band was called the Bowery Rhythm Kings. And they were kind of a cover band, but we covered like old, you know, rhythm and blues, like Fats Domino or Hank Ballard. And then we'd have like Walter Lure or Jerry Nolan come up and play with us. And it was amazing. I mean, I was really happy to be doing that. We started writing some originals. Um, and then I got into this other band called Uncle Wiggly, which actually did really well toward Europe. They were on Shimmy Disc for a while. And um, we... Uh, they said they wanted me to play the drums so I, and guitar, so I played drums and guitar for them. And uh, we just right away got really good gigs, <clears throat> started playing at Maxwell's and CBGB's and places like that. And um, 
Uh, you know, they're one of the only projects I was in that's actually like in Wikipedia. It, that kind of describes them a little bit if you want to refer to something, but um, they were fun. <clears throat> but then I got invited to be in this just awesome punk band that was like my favorite band in New York that I was a huge fan of because everyone was a huge fan of. And their bass player suddenly left and they wanted me to play bass for them. So that's where I really did most of my shows. And I eventually got kicked out of Uncle Wiggly for being in too many bands and for prioritizing my new band that I was in, um, which was called The Willies, which uh, really just a legendary, you know, late 80s, early 90s New York punk band. And um, it was so much fun. I mean, can you imagine like your favorite band wants you to come play bass? And uh, we had gigs, you know, all the time, weekly or more often, and um, CBs, great clubs. And like between the Willies and the Bowery Rhythm Kings, we pretty much started the whole scene at the Continental Club, which lasted for a really long time after us. And um, so uh, that said, uh, it was an incredible band. Like we had a guitarist that was just uh, so amazing. But he also had uh, like been in a really traumatic brain injury car accident situation. And so he was really emotionally unstable and uh, junky. And um, so we did a lot of cool shows. Like we played with L7, you know, we played with a lot of really cool bands um, that remain well known, but um, we were collapsing despite <laughs> our best efforts due to having a member that was just super fucked up and like too fucked up to live <laughs> very much longer. So we tried to replace him, we kicked him out, but it just it ended up with like the album didn't really sound as good as we wanted to after we finally got signed and grunge had not broken yet. Like it really was almost a, a pre-Nirvana grunge band with like more of a blues influence than grunge bands actually had. If I had to describe it with like an amazing, like female front woman who was, who was not me, I was the bass player. Lynn was, uh, was the front woman and she would just scream amazingly. And um, I'd really, that wasn't really happening. That hadn't really happened yet. It was a new thing at that point in musical history. So um, it was a lot of fun, but we just, we were just too sloppy and unprofessional because of people being out of control on various levels. <laughs> so, um, we have, we broke yeah. up, you know? Now, now, so now Jenna is not sloppy and not unprofessional. No, but well, I have to interrupt the one of my, my friend's band, Fox 45, who's one of my favorite bands around here. They are huge influenced by Level 7. They used to do uh, Rebel Girl. And their sound at the beginning especially sounded a lot like L7. Yeah. And they've morphed. Now they're really like almost like doom metal. <laughs> but it's nice to see like an evolution because they started like that wanting to be sort of L7, but then they, they get their own sound and they like yeah. something completely different now. But you sound like now, I remember we were going to do this a week ago and it was like Thanksgiving. You do a little acting too? Yeah, I um I did That's a our man acting. Patrick over here. I did a little acting last week and I was kind of able to um interestingly acting with someone that years ago I was in a band with in Austin, acting in a musical that he wrote the songs for and wrote and he he's a, a one of uh Santa Fe's most beloved songwriters at this point but mainly does these quirky musicals now and they're really good. And so I, I have been seeing them for a few years. And um, when an audition came available, I auditioned. And um, it was really fun. It was a staged reading. It was not like a full run of performances because we're still kind of evolving the script to, you know, become that full run, hopefully to happen next year. And um, I mean, it's usually like completely sold out shows for, you know, a month. And it was great fun. I um, haven't done any acting in a while, so I really enjoyed it. And um, it's it was a uh, musical called The Queen and the Kid. 
it's about Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County Wars and um, a, a little known player in the Lincoln County Wars who really we don't know about her because she was a woman. So no one really talked yeah. about her. Sue McSween, the cattle queen. So um, she's the queen and Billy the Kid is the kid. And the songs are just really it's it's hard to describe them in words just like really verbally clever at but yet moving and interesting um just lyrically great and and fun and and highly original so um it was a privilege that you know to work with a lot of i mean some of these actors had like been on broadway or acted opposite meryl streep i mean there were some really good people in this cast so i was just kind of like well you know I haven't acted in a while and I'm, I'm here to learn and have fun. And it was just a great experience. So hopefully I'll return to uh, my roles in, in that play or musical when it uh, goes on its full run next year. Sounds great. I, I know about read throughs just because of my friends here on theater, because I've been to many of them. They're, they're cool and everything, but that's also, hopefully we could see it up here too, the way the world is now with social media and everything you know, just to see it. But how is the scene in New Mexico where you are in terms of music and arts and everything? Well, I mean, it's really rich. You know, Santa Fe has been known for its art scene for for decades or longer, you know. Um, so it's it's really a sort of destination for all of that or, you know. I've always heard Taos myself and I know nothing about this, so... <laughs> Well, Georgia O'Keeffe did a lot of her work here and out at Ghost Ranch, um, out in Abiquiu, New Mexico. And, um, you know, Edward Stieglitz was was photographing out there with her. And um, there's just a lot of traditions. I mean, from that to like Dennis Hopper hanging out in Taos in the 60s and 70s and <laughs> Janis Joplin hanging out in Taos, like there's a just a long history of this place being a Mecca for free thinking artists. And, you know, it does kind of have that quality to some degree where you can, um, it seems to be like a good environment for creating art, but we're also facing skyrocketing rents because everybody moved here during the pandemic who wanted to live someplace like safe and, and, um, yeah. uh, and, you know, we have um, a lot of poverty in the community also that's not being addressed due to having a lot of like snowbirds and retirement people. So it's kind of expensive place. Like I imagine if I were a kid right now, like I would move to Detroit and try to get a big loft somewhere and yeah. pretend it's Soho in the 70s, you know, so <laughs> The, the, that's what i would do, do that. there, there has been you know i feel selfish like that i think where you find your own little like little artist colony and create a place you want to you're good about it but you want to go don't let anybody find out about this i don't want them to come yeah <laughs> right well it's just it's really not possible to create a body of work while working a job for 50 or 60 hours a week to pay mm. your outrageous rent it just doesn't work. People only have so much energy and it doesn't really matter how gifted you are. You have to be like, you know, not tired enough to do your art. Well, yeah. <laughs> well and be a working artist is, you know, doing the artist is, is, is part of it. You know, it's like you do your art and then you got to hustle to, to make a living out of, out of that, if, if at all you can. So. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, I make a little money off of music by, by performing in the orchestra pit for children's musicals like The Lion King. And that has stopped since the pandemic. So, yeah. you know, I've had times when I was making like three or 400 bucks a week off of music, but it's tiring to just basically, you know, be a bar band and be working those bars three nights a week. And it's fun when you're in your twenties, but when you're older, it starts to look, the angle starts to change a little bit, you know? This is sort of like serial comic, <laughs> but Steve Lyons, my good friend was on the show. He's been around since, I don't know, Chaz, would you say even the late sixties? He's been around forever. Uh, you, you know him, but uh, 
I know what Jenna's saying. When you get to a certain age, coming home at four in the morning, smelling like cigarettes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I've been going mid yeah. midnight. But my friend Steve Lyons, he was on the show, so I said, Steve, what advice could I you give younger musicians who are starting out since you've been in the business for so long? He said, honestly, find something else to do. Because <laughs> the life as a working musician finds something else to do. <laughs> Now here, here's another dirty little secret. A lot of the major label rock stars, uh, if you, I could write an article, are poor little rich kids. You know. And, oh and yeah. Yeah. No, every, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. But, like yeah. even like I know friends of mine is when because that's how you have time to create because otherwise you got to work, survive. It's hard. Like there's only so many hours in the week. It's so much energy you have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's a grinding, you know, it's it's grinding to get by these days. I mean, I remember back in the 80s, I got my first apartment in a basement in some house off of Park Avenue for like $120 a month. Oh, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't be able to do that for a day. These <laughs> right? Probably, I don't think. You know, but because I, I know like Canada's got the artistic grants. I think a lot of the Scandinavian countries have where you can apply as an artist. And I think you get some things to do your art and everything, which is kind of cool pretty sure yeah we don't do that would be nice to study but <laughs> you know it'd stuff be nice like to like live someplace like that where art is valued but yeah. um you know but that's the but have you been what have you been doing especially now we're like sort of giving a little sketch of everything doing some right history. well so what's going on with you now it seems um, like you've got a lot of stuff going on yeah well i was in austin i played with this guy joe west who's also the guy who is the um impresario behind the queen and the kid now we played together in austin got voted best new band in austin had a really fun time uh but then i i left i wanted to move back to new york but then 9-11 happened and all joe west and i both ended up back in santa fe and i started playing with him again here and that's when i really was playing you know several nights a week and making pretty good money and it was really fun it was a great, great band. A lot of fun to do. Um, and Joe kind of forced me into singing. I didn't really sing before that because I guess I was just kind of shy. And he forced me to sing back in Austin. And so I got better and better at it as his, you know, backing vocalist and bass player. And then I just decided I wanted to start writing my own songs. And that really started a journey of being at home and kind of figuring that out for a while before I really... <laughs> having any results um which came in a good time because i wanted to stop being in the smoky bars so things were kind of in development for a while internally mentally and uh craft wise and then i re-emerged in 2015 with a new project and i've released four cds with that um where i sing and play guitar i i play other things on the album i play synthesizers and um once in a while i end up playing the bass although i try to avoid it when possible and just remain on guitar and i, I sing everything and i do the the arrangements and the songwriting um but you know we've now kind of coalesced into an actual band at first i was working with some really great studio musicians but yeah, I, I can't afford to pay people to rehearse with me, you know, and when they have other people who are willing to do that for them, they should go do that. So it took some time to really get people of a very high skill level who were there because they really liked the songs and willing to commit time to it. Um, it took a while to sort through. And so uh, we finally recorded our most recent album together as a band, um, sort of semi-live like half live <laughs> if that makes sense yeah there's um, a couple albums actually i have like that actually todd rungan's album with the cars they had some even stuff like that so Jenna, yeah gotta, so i think so we're now everybody. in a place where we're gonna like write the next album together which is gonna be great and we've been doing shows at skate school and just taking it out of that whole paradigm that we were so sick of of like uh at the bar, you know, alcohol linked. I mean, sure, someone can bring a bottle of vodka if they want, or they can bring in a joint. Cannabis is legal here. They can, you know, do that. But we don't need to sell that shit. We are just going to collect money that goes to the musicians and 
people have really enjoyed it. People There's have a place really called 75 Stutson Street now here. It's the same principle. You pay ghosts to the musicians. They even film it. It's usually between 20 and 25 bucks to get in and they have no bar or anything. They have, if you want to get like a Coke or coffee or chips or stuff, they have those. <laughs> right. Yeah. We sometimes sell sodas. But like, yeah, everyone's loved it who's played there because the audience is very attentive because it's just a different paradigm. And we've gotten, uh, you know, press coverage in our local alternative weekly about it that was very favorable, which is really hard to get. (laughs) So that was awesome. And, you know, just kind of doing these shows on our own terms once a month with other bands we like and you know, visual artists that we like doing projections onto the bands in, you know, an indoor skate park. So it's been pretty great. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and so, uh, uh, that's what I've been doing. Uh, you got to tell people the name of the band uh, now. Right. So the name of the band is Luminatrix. And you can find us on Instagram as Luminatrix Music. Or on Bandcamp as uh, luminatrix.bandcamp.com. We have a new single called China Again. And um, we have a producer who's produced, mixed all of our albums. I've actually wanted um, to ask you about that because Chaz actually mentioned that we should bring up the producer. And how did you come to meet him and everything? Well, okay. So my producer is Kramer known for having had uh, shimmy disc records in the 80s and 90s and gosh i mean he's just done like so much famous stuff that it's hard to pick um because he was actually like in gong which is amazing to me but gong's kind of obscure so i could say he discovered ween daniel johnston a couple of my um, friends would galaxy 500 like royal trucks like all those people came out of the early Kramer days and I you know I met him because he wanted to meet me I I really don't know why I had played a show with that that cool band that had the guest rock stars they were called the Bowery Rhythm Kings but I I would I'm not I don't know if he saw my show and I've asked him recently but he always dodges the question anyway he just came up to me and introduced himself and I didn't know who he was because I was always playing gigs and I did not go out to see bands because I was in like three bands and I was performing and I was also a full-time college student. And so I was really, I, you know, I didn't really, if I was going to go out, I was going to go sit in some like weird ass old man bar where where nobody knew me and I could just like sit there drinking silently. (laughs) Well, that was Um, my thing. If I was going to cause trouble, I would go like some, I'd have a friend drive and I'd go like to say like some, some unknown bar in Webster. So if I made an ass out of myself, nobody would know. You know, 20 vodka, nice teas and, you know, Strip keys on the bar, me, you know, and you don't want anybody to know. And in those days, like these days, now it'd be all over YouTube. But back yeah, then, it was like, yeah, everything. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, I don't know who you are. And he's like, I'll be right back. And he comes back with this stack of records that was like, I don't know, a good six inches high. And he hands them to me and he's like, these are bands I've been in or, or, you know, put out their records. And at the time, he had just gotten done being in the Butthole Surfers. And um, <laughs> he did, he did like, that album with Janice Hall. I remember that. Yeah, he's always worked with him, and um, he, he had worked with Eugene Chadbourne in Shockabilly. Um, who's now you can see Eugene Chadbourne in the Saturday Night Live band, which is you know. I know Wayne's playing because some friends of mine are going to see him in New York for a bunch of dates in February, and we actually I saw Gene Ween play at Love and Cup. So that's my extent for ween stuff, pretty much. My friends <laughs> love them. I mean, friends, I, and I yeah. like them too, just not as much as like, they're so yeah. avid. It's well, incredible. you know, I guess what Kramer is best known for is uh, producing Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by Urge Overkill off of the Pulp Fiction oh. soundtrack. And he won a bunch of awards for that. Um, and it's it really is well done, that song. So um, I, see a, I see a pattern here with these bands that you're talking about with him and I think there's a white zombie connection too. And yeah, there is. There is. He did something with white zombie also. So the connection, and I'm being uh, flippant, is uh, 
uh, mentally ill rock and roll madmen. <laughs> <laughs> um, a compliment. Yeah, well, I mean, aren't they? Aren't we all rock and roll <laughs> madmen living in our rock and roll fantasy? Yeah, true. Well, well, Chance, no names, okay? But who would you say is like what was like one of the weirdest persons you played with? No names, though. <laughs> um, okay, I'd like to see how he answers this. <laughs> Just say the person saw like whatever, because we had one and one band. The bass player saw ghosts all the time. <sighs> Um, I can't compete with Jenna. I mean, listen to all this. She's, I mean, uh, I've been with normies compared to her. I don't know how well, she... It's not a competition, Chaz. Yeah. No, it's not a competition. <laughs> it's not I like trying to be the weirdest guy. guest we've ever had on this show. Yeah, nobody, nobody's <laughs> trying to win this. It just happens. <laughs> I've just played with maladjusted dorks, not like a... <laughs> like Jenna... That's going to be a good name for a band, though, too, the maladjusted dorks. <laughs> it's true. No, I mean, the Rochester scene really was a lot more subdued, and and we didn't have, you know, CBGBs. We had, like, the replacements and the Ramones passing through, but we didn't have anyone like that locally. Like, the main band at that time was the Chesterfield Kings, who were amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm in touch with Greg a lot still. He just actually, he released an album and he did a signing at uh, House of Guitars. And the big reason, honestly, was just because we have, like, some of our friends, we hadn't seen him in so long, just to go down and say yeah. hi because of COVID. Because, like, everybody lost, like, over a year. Yeah. It's right, like, no, I know. And it still feels that way. Yeah, no, Greg and I have stayed in touch, too. And he's a great guy. Really he's, he's, great guy. he's really anti right now. He gets, he ruffles some feathers because he's so sick of like, oh, he likes the stones. to do, he likes Oh, with to the stones though, especially you've seen his post, like with the stones about him. And I, I said, the stones are trying like to be ranting like, about tab. Yeah, tab. <laughs> he's like a tab man all the time. Too many bits. Like I can't find tab anywhere. I find it. <laughs> I, it's uh, awesome i mean it reminds me of harlan yeah. allison going on about hydrox cookies <laughs> a little bit he always said this thing about hydrox cookies he would go on yeah but he's not going on about the stones i told him the stones are the stones are like kiss now in terms of merchandising because he constantly goes on about the stones and their merchandising now they, they were they've always i mean that's yeah. a new thing with them i mean they you know uh it was when they did the the you know, they did the mark the jacket. You know, it was oh, always yeah. like, you know, the I think he does like to stir the Are you there, Chaz? Yeah, I'm here. And speaking of, uh, this is a, a, a little. Oh, uh, I think I lost. Oh, wait, there you are. Hey, here I am. <laughs> okay. He's up to your so, left. Um, yeah, Stone's merch. Uh, last Stone's merch I read about a couple years ago, I almost wanted to get so goofy was a crystal decanter full of vodka. And it was, it was uh, the company, it was a novelty. The company was owned by the actor who was in Blues Brothers is still alive. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, Crystal Head. Yeah, Crystal, Crystal Yeah, that's, Head. that's yeah, Dan Aykroyd's, yeah. yep, that and the House but, of uh, Roses are his big. But uh, back to Luminatrix, if you want my impression of what I've heard, they're not, you're not trashy and grungy, but you're still, um, you know hard rock or whatever indie and you got some real artistic flourishes i don't know if you're influenced by um saint vincent at all or i actually do really that? just don't like saint vincent. <laughs> 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 after i just felt like i don't know it all started when i saw her just like butchering nirvana i didn't like that <laughs> I don't know. She seems to me, she seems to be too derivative and lack heart. And I hate that because I wanted to love her. Like, of course, a woman playing the rock guitar. I want to love this person. I can't. I just don't like St. Vincent, I guess. So, yeah, no. <laughs> but I, like, I love Lord. I'm influenced by Lord. I like Lord enough, too. Yeah. I like Billy. Okay. I'm going to confess. I like Billy Eilish. Oh, I love Billy Eilish. I'm my friend, Billy my friend Adriana would do a lot of work at the studio. Billy and, and Phineas she, are just amazing. And she goes into a lot of the electric, like Sheila Lennon, Billy Eilish. These are bands I don't know about. And I like Billy Eilish. Yeah. No, Billy Eilish is a great singer. Like, she's going to be remembered, you know? 
much. And she is more stable than, say, an Amy Winehouse, who is also a great singer. But, like, who knows how long Amy's going to be remembered? She honestly shouldn't make that many albums. And her legacy was tarnished by self-destructive behavior. But I don't know. Like, Billie Eilish has issues. Like, I think she's talked about having Tourette's and stuff. But she seems to have, like, a good team, you know? And being actually really fucking stable, which is awesome. Watch sometimes. She did the Hot Wings Challenge. They have an online called Hot Ones. She's so... Watching it though, she's so natural. She's not put on it out. She's burping, drinking milk. It was just great. Yeah. You look at you look at some these people who start really young, and I feel like the the thing that some of these really people who start really young is 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 they're they're okay still being kind of kids. You know, it was always like a rush to to kind of manufacture adults out of these really young people. But this, you know, but I think like about her, she still seems to have a lot of that energy of just her own age, which is fine. Like if she, you know, she like didn't know who Van Halen was or something like that. I'm and like, she shouldn't at her, you know, she at her age though. Exactly. But it just like. Like unless you're like a real music nerd or somebody, yeah. you know, you come whatever your perspective from your generation. I feel like, you know, that's, that's a thing. Like it was the old like child star thing is, this, you know, kids would be forced into this adult world and then. Well, we had well, I mean, the singer. whole system, it was terrible. Like, the whole studio system was horrifying on multiple levels and really damaging to the artists involved, which is why so many of them died. But then in the 90s, it turned into, like, oh, well, Aerosmith and Metallica really employ a lot of people, so let's try to get them into treatment slash therapy. And now, if you're a working band, you're not on substances, period, because it's unprofessional. So... There's yeah. really been a shift in the paradigm. It's good. Yeah. You know, I'll give you a yeah, weird analogy, you. a weird analogy. This makes sense, though. Professional wrestling, where you go back to the 70s, 80s. These guys were like drug addicts, drunks, everything. Now your professional wrestlers are basically, for not a better word, nerds. They're all into video games. They're all into oh, yeah, clean yeah, living. Yeah. They're straight edge. And I suppose you realize it's going to tear you up doing something like that if you start doing the crazy. It's physical. You know, yeah, it's, it's, you, especially like. Like Roddy Stuff. Piper would say, you get high, you do downers and everything. That you want to kill your heart, just do uppers, downers, don't know which way to go. So yeah, it's 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 a yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh occupation. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also you came up like we came up organically where now they just try to manufacture stars. They look for a look. That's that's and all- the- but that's that's been manufacturing star since you know since oh yeah i agree with you know? that too, but... <laughs> on one level but yeah you know i don't know but but uh, you've had your experiences and stuff you bring that to the table and everything else and how many instruments do you play i play a lot of instruments um i mean i'm i'm really uh i have a drummer who's outstanding and i wouldn't i'm not into like playing drums at this point although i did enjoy doing it with uncle wiggly but um you know, I I don't know. I don't play like wind instruments, but I I guess I can play all this string instruments. I have some instruments that it, it's hard to know what instrument they are exactly. Like I have this eight string, I have this eight string guitar that I play, but it's not a guitar because guitars don't have eight strings. It's like a twelve string guitar, only <laughs> if it were a tenor guitar. That's not a tenor guitar either. So. This kind of this unique instrument that someone made for me, and um, we decided it's a mandol electric mandolin cello. So, cool. you know, I've always <laughs> awesome. I, I I play that live on like one song usually because it's got this really distinctive sound. Um, so I play that. I play the electric mandolin cello. I guess it's a baritone. It's a really low growly guitar, and um, then I play guitar. I really I really. I try to avoid playing bass anymore but i do still play the bass um vocals uh keyboards you know piano and um what else do i play there's I, there's a couple other weird things i play oh yeah i play the rindic which is a gamelan instrument um and i was in a marimba band once but i, I don't really play the marimba anymore um, Gamelon. Yeah. A, there Gamelon. was a band in Rochester. Your Gamelon, I say game on. <laughs> game on, Gamelon. 
that's how they got to start the concert though game on game on <laughs> hey i have another plug so, which sure. is um oh, that's what we're here yeah, for. you guys can uh you you guys if you don't want to like buy our single from Bandcamp, you can go hear it on uh if you're if you don't live in santa fe which you probably don't you can stream um 98.1 kbac radio free santa fe they have our single china again in rotation and it's also on their uh spotify uh fresh playlist so they're like our um beloved local independent music station the likes of which few exist in this country anymore that because we're santa fe we kind of watched them get sold to clear channel and bought them back and preserved them because yeah, we, we have a few them. underground music shows here and like an underground radio station but that's about it well, this is like a station that plays me in between david bowie and lou reed like i'm like wow hey, hey, that's it's great. not really an, it's like an adult alternative or something it's not uh underground like i'm as a, about as underground as they get on this station so um you know their support over the years has been fantastic and if you um, check out their live in studio appearances um, in October 15th, 2021. Uh, Luminatrix, or most of Luminatrix, appeared live in the studio. It was me, our drummer Dave Darby, um, bassist Vince Copia appeared as second guitar, and I played uh, rhythm guitar and sang. Uh, so that's a really fun alternate arrangement, alternate band configuration that we don't usually do. Usually it's a uh, drums bass rhythm guitar and uh violin but like more like space sounds played on a violin um so uh i just like to send yeah, you one band fun, my you friend know. sean mcbay's band which is like black sabbath meets pink floyd's king buffalo it's like almost like a cosmic rock i think you'd like it yeah but so, uh, one anyway, thing you, you're stuff, putting like, something yeah. out on an album though right too now this is coming out on an album too you said yeah, it's it's called Antihero, and I want to put it out on vinyl because I just want to. And that's what the way like, people are going now, and I'm glad yeah, in the way because you know, I have younger friends who they'll tell me they do they only do streaming if they don't know CD player or record player, and I feel like I'm old. <laughs> well, a lot of young people do like vinyl; it's very popular, and I I pretty much only listen to vinyl unless I really have to not get something on vinyl where can we get these things if we want them like the vinyl when it comes out do you have a well site? i guess you have to follow us on instagram and also on instagram you can go to my link tree and it has links to all the stuff i've been talking about like the um band camp the radio free santa fe live um radio show performance so that's all on the link tree of the instagram which is luminatrix music so follow us on Instagram because that's where I'm active. It's supposed to cross post to Facebook, but it doesn't always make it through for some strange reason. No, it's so, weird. They've been lately, they've been lately, I've been getting ads and I'm like a lot of posts I've been doing, you've been not seen or vanishing or stuff. I'm not really, right. yeah, I'm weird, but I'm not like offensive. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I like, I, I like Instagram better. I should be more active on Twitter. So that's, that's a goal, but I hate, gonna, to, say um, it. I hate to say it, but my friend Alyssa does it. I don't want to like even say it, but she does TikTok and she says it's actually worked a little for her. Now I just, I can't recommend it or not. Maybe look at it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. My son is a YouTuber and he can get like 15,000 views on a video, but it's because it's like related to Star Wars or video gaming that he's really good at. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to. <laughs> um, That's why I, I'm over I'm a friend's house when we do Zoom. <laughs> hard. Like my strategy more revolves around like send the songs to radio stations <laughs> the few remaining radio stations that are out there are try to get actual people like driving in their cars who still listen to radio stations to listen to them and um i i don't know i could be more ambitious once there's vinyl i will be i'm gonna take it to record stores i'm gonna drive around you know like old school with a bunch of of albums um but first it has to be pressed by third man pressing 
which has a long waiting list that gets longer every day as famous celebrities now clog the pressing plants. Again, we'll have to buy a copy, and I know our friend Mike would play it up here a whole lot of shaking if I gave it to him. Yeah, yeah, he'd play it. You know, I'll get a copy of it too, so I'll buy one. (laughs) Yeah, so just follow the Instagram because then you'll be get updates, and um, that's where. That's where you can find all the info these days. And I know we have some time constraints and I want to be a good boy about that for everyone. Yeah, but so, thanks yeah, so, so much for being on. Right. Would you like to come back sometime, hopefully? Sure. I'd love to come back. And um, you mentioned that we could connect over the weekend about, um, yeah. I guess you're right yeah, up with that. This will come out on Monday. You. So we'll make I sure we get all the like info. One, and I don't know if we could play a song or not. I don't want to promise I, you. Yeah. I, I, uh, I got it. I wish I had gotten you the album prior to this. I've just been so busy because um, I just had so much going on between the shows and the play, and I should have emailed you. Did I email you the record? No, I didn't see it, I don't think. Okay, well, um, can you you text me your email and... You know, I could send you I like text a, you a my cat's email too if you want to send it to him and he can maybe play it. I don't want to get into that about the technical stuff because yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It just uh, if yeah, get it to you get it to Rob. Rob can get it to me or can get it to to yeah. me directly or however. We'll I figure can, something I out. Yeah, if it's anyone's not, email, anyone's email that you'd like me direct it to, I can send you the single and um all of that. Cool. So Very yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, and, thanks so uh, much and everything. We actually hit the hour mark, and I didn't want to screw yep. you over because I don't even. Chaz. No, uh, okay. All right. Thanks, Chaz. Thanks, thanks a lot. I'd be in touch because, like I said, it'll come out Monday, so no worries. Bye.